listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. Today, we are discussing the future of transcripts with Matt Patinsky, CEO of Parchment. Matt was sort of a lousy high school student, but the experience made him think that education could be different and better. Jess, I hope those are his words and not our words. After college, he co-founded Blackboard, which became the leading learning management system. Fourteen years later, it was acquired for $1.6 billion. As you might imagine, that left him with way more than enough money to cover tuition. So Matt went back to school and earned a Ph.D. in sociology at Columbia. He then moved down to sunny Phoenix to teach at Arizona State University. While in Arizona, Matt spotted DocuFied, a transcript service. He invested and became CEO, and in 2011, rebranded the company as Parchment, what we know of it today. Matt is passionate about turning credentials into opportunities. He believes the academic record is not as effective as it could be in admissions, employment, or even in licensing. In this new world where anyone can learn anything, anywhere, how we track, verify, and share capabilities is becoming a big deal. Let's listen in to Matt and Tom as they discuss credentialing and the future of transcripts. All right, Matt Patinsky, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, Where'd you go to high school? So I went to my community public high school, which is Baldwin High School. It's in Long Island, uh, New York. Graduating class of maybe 400, 450. You you were a great student, right? I was a terrible student. (laughs) So I think one of the common denominators of people in ed tech and interested in ed policy is something didn't quite click and it made you think differently about education and that's me. So why uh, poli-sci at American? So I was very interested in, in ed policy uh, by the time I was going into college based on an experience I had in high school. But mainly I was on the route to become a uh, middle school social studies teacher. So you would major in one of those, you know, political science or economics or history. And then I was in the teacher prep program as well. Why a teacher who uh, inspired that vision of your future? So my mom uh, is a teacher, even though she's retired, she makes me very carefully say that she is a teacher, not was a teacher. She thinks it's a lifelong um, vocation. Uh, So my mom is a teacher. Uh, My dad was school board president and a university administrator. And again, I've always thought education is kind of the highest order bit, so to speak. And so I was excited to be a teacher myself. How'd you end up at Columbia? You did a PhD in sociology? I did. So uh, my career is uh, basically diversions from that pursuit of becoming a teacher. Uh, So as you know, not long after uh, graduating American, um, I uh, co-founded Blackboard. And so spent many years in ed tech in an executive role there. And then towards the end, when I realized uh, I was going to have the opportunity to leave and pursue new things, I started a PhD program with the idea that if I wasn't going to be a high school, a middle school social studies teacher, that at the very least I could be a university professor. And then came to here to Arizona to be a tenure track professor at ASU. Really? Yeah. In uh, sociology? In sociology which has nothing to do with ed tech, really, just the other thing I was interested in. So what, um, what's the, what was your connection to Parchment? So uh, 
two years, four semesters later <laughs> at ASU, came across a company called Docufied right. um, out of Los Angeles at the first GSV conference. And unbeknownst to me, it sort of activated an energy to get back into ed tech because what Docufied was sort of about and what Parchment is about is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, dating back to Blackboard. We never pursued it at Blackboard, uh, but when I saw the chance to invest in DocuFied and then eventually join as an executive, it was enough to pull me away from ASU. So you, you just passed a big milestone here. Yes. Tell us what that was. Yeah, so the passion that I'm referring to is the idea that uh, the academic record that we earn is not nearly as effective as it could be to help us in admissions and employment and licensing. And the idea of Parchment is to help turn credentials into opportunities, whether they're academic transcripts or diplomas, whether it's for admissions or licensing or employment. And so we just crossed a major milestone, 10 million transactions, which means that 10 million transcripts or certificates or diplomas have been requested by learners at uh, Parchment Institutions, and each one of them has a story um, applying, again, to undergraduate admissions or to transfer or to get a job or to get licensed, and so we think that's a really important milestone. So you either send a, a transcript to a recipient, sometimes on behalf of a college, yep, or you help a recipient receive them? We do both, you right. send and receive. Yep. And sometimes you award them directly, right? Are those the three lines of business, basically? That's basically it. Yeah. It's a little bit like um, any other B2B to C or company like an open table. For example, if the restaurant's not using open table, you can't book a, a reservation. And similarly, the high school and college adopts parchment. And that's what allows then a current student or alum to come to Parchment and request their records to be delivered to a destination. And then, as you said, we work with those destinations too. So most of your customers are higher ed institutions? Most of our revenue comes from higher ed, but we have more high school individual customers. They're just smaller dollar size. So we, we right now estimate about 25% of high school enrollments are at schools that are alive and actively using Parchment and about 20% of university, 23%, excuse me, right. of university enrollments. So we're recording this a couple days before your annual conference. What what are you going to tell your, your uh, colleagues and customers? So the annual conference tends to focus more on higher ed. The high school counselors tend not to make a trip to that kind of a, a big event. We have state events that they attend. And so for the universities, um, the big focus is really on the changing landscape of how credentials are being used. So um, we, we've done some really nice work to analyze the non-academic receivers of transcripts. So who are the top employers and what are the top industries that still have a policy or a practice of getting uh, academic transcripts? And that's important. Um, and then also how students are using their credentials. Uh, as you mentioned, we have this award service for digital certificates and diplomas, and we see students sharing it on LinkedIn, sharing it on Facebook, downloading secure PDFs and bringing them to jobs to use as a way of verifying their degree. So a lot of it is going to be about talking through the non-admissions, non-academic ways in which academic records are being used increasingly. So let's talk about the big trends in credentialing, and maybe we can do it in two buckets, one in programmatic and one 
technology? What, what are the big program trends yeah. that are influencing your business? The big programmatic trend is picking up where I, I left off. It's the recognition that transcripts and diplomas are being used by employers and other types of organizations. If you th- And therefore, the record itself has to be innovated, has to uh, kind of evolve. The academic transcript is good at listing courses and credits for other academic organizations. But if you want a view into the kind of co-curricular activities that a student was involved in, the competencies they developed in the curriculum and co-curriculum. If you want something that's a little bit easier to make sense of in the context of a live interview, like a visual transcript, where you can look at it as an infographic almost and make immediate sense of what someone's done and how well they've done it. uh, Those are the kinds of ways in which transcripts are evolving. So the, the global shift to competency, this kind of show what you know world that it feels like we're heading to uh, feels like it could make transcripts and credentials more broadly much more useful but much more complicated right so this it feels like it's a complicating factor that there'll be more versions of transcripts and they'll be longer there'll be more information associated with them in some cases there'll be forms of evidence attached to those you know skill assertions I think that's precisely right. I think that's precisely right. Good and bad for you, that complexity and need for security and portability that all feels like business opportunity for Parchment? It does. It's why we think there is very sincerely a credential management platform opportunity. And it's exactly as you described it. If you imagine, you know, there's this superset of data that represents the learner's record and different kinds of audiences are different, are interested in different parts of that superset. So an employer may just want to know, did you graduate or not? Uh, whereas an academic institution wants to know courses and credits, whereas you know more progressive employers may want to know competency information. And it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all record. So we think the typical school and university is going to issue different formats of records for different audiences, different purposes, employment, licensing, admissions. And then we also think each destination represents a level of personalization. So if you look at one of our customers, University of Indiana, uh, they have this project called the cover sheet where a student can take a different set of courses and highlight them in a cover sheet based for each destination they're sending to. And so the destination being? Accenture versus Google. So with Google, I might emphasize my math and computer science courses, just stereotypically here. <laughs> Whereas for Accenture, I might emphasize speaking or right. something in, that gets into in management consulting. Today that we might modify a resume for a different exactly. job cluster. Exactly. Okay. Are you... Um, Uh, Are you bullish about the Mastery Transcript Consortium, this group of independent high schools that are trying to build a new transcript format? Yes. Um, I think we're bullish because it's very consistent with the idea that we have focused on with our higher ed institutions, which is creating a more comprehensive and authentic record for the learner. That said, and you mentioned this with the complexity, there is concern over sort of a Tower of Babel 
problem that we have a well-worn academic transcript format that you know most people could be dropped in and recognize if it's two columns or three columns how to make sense of it right right? and so as we make it more comprehensive and as we make it more authentic and as it's being used for large-scale processes like making it admissions decisions with 30 40 50,000 applicants i do think there's work that has to be done to make sure that it's machine readable data to make sure that that the receiving side can process it and evaluate it efficiently right. and to evangelize it so that the sector in general follows their lead so to speak um, and so the, the, the magic is allowing it to be more comprehensive and authentic within still the right amount of standardization to be processed and evaluated on the destination side. And I think that's work that's going to take time to develop. Uh, seems like uh, an aggressive project for a bunch of high schools to try to do build a platform to do all of that. Uh, yeah, so though my understanding, and we've tried to, I think we've probably had a few conversations with them, is what they build themselves and kind of what they try to plug into that exists already is still an open decision. So if, if I understand, um, if I understand their work correctly, the best case scenario is that it might create this UI between high schools and colleges, but it still will require... Uh, the, the transcript grantor uh, the, the need to define what students need to know and be able to do and what forms of evidence will be required. Um, so it feels like they're trying to create a kind of a universal template underneath which people will still have to make those decisions. And if that's the case, it suggests to me that there could be room for these diploma networks, groups of schools that work together around you know, common learner outcomes, common assessment systems, uh, maybe common resources for learners and, and teachers in the same way that the International Baccalaureate is a, a, a diploma system today. Does that seem like a potential future state? How do you see people interacting with these new mastery transcripts? So my understanding is the same as yours, although I would add to it, my understanding is also that each individual high school, for example, can develop a very different look and feel and data model around their transcript. And that's what I was alluding to before is, you know, it's great to see the consortium evangelize this idea that we need to innovate the high school transcript, much the same way that employers have put pressure on universities to make that transcript more informative, more comprehensive. High schools, I think, are responding to a similar opportunity. Um, but in all of that variation, you you go into a period of, again, Tower of Babel. So how that then sort of standardizes, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. And what the right analogy is, I hadn't thought of, candidly, IB as, a, as an analogy. Um, but what you're describing makes sense because part of the Tower of Babel is understanding, you know, what is the assessment behind it? What's the rubric here? And so as these clusters of institutions adopt a common approach, it allows you to make sense of it at a larger scale than just an individual high school. Let's start to bridge over the question of technology. Um, but uh, one, one of the advances that we anticipate 
is that an increasing number of transcripts will come either with discrete pieces of evidence or, or entire portfolios that are kind of a curated set of personal bests. Do, do you see this move towards more authentic evidence having a, an impact on the sector, your business in particular? Candidly, no. And I've, I've always been, I mean, dating back to my Blackboard years, I believe in e-portfolios as a formative tool. And I know what you're describing isn't exactly e-portfolios, but it's sort of in that vein. But as a summative way of demonstrating competencies, it's a little trickier because, again, these things are being used in larger scale processes. And so um, if I think about employment, for example, you know, discovering and evaluating and filtering down, they don't, they're not a very efficient way to work. Now, maybe when I'm looking at two or three candidates, comparing and contrasting, I could see the value. So, you know, our, our model is the idea that the student has a credential account um, and they have the ability to augment that with their own, uh, you know, additional evidence, as you described it, but that the credential itself stands apart. It really is the institution certifying something. Um, so I don't know if I'm being responsive yeah. or not. Well, if, if an admissions officer only has 10 minutes to look at a mastery transcript, they're not going to click through to individual pieces of evidence Correct. very often, right? Um, that there, there may be receivers of transcripts that actually want to click through and see discrete evidence, but um, maybe if the transcript is really a trusted document, um, maybe it won't be necessary to attach this big portfolio to it. Correct. I mean, there's value uh, for other purposes, but I think that's the pressure on the record itself to be more informative, yet sufficiently um, succinct <laughs> and efficient in its yeah. you know data structure and everything right. else to make these processes work. So one, one I think way it's to a get out of jail free card to leave the transcript the way it is and then right. put on the destination the work to go deeper with these artifacts. Right. So and what we see in our receiver network, just to finish a, a quick thought, is the opposite. Candidly, they filter out and download a fraction of what's delivered to them through our service. And that's always a tricky part of doing what we do, because on the one hand, we're taking a request to deliver four things, even though we have pattern recognition that only one of those is actually going to be acted on by the destination. And uh, so to add to that is not the problem that most admissions offices are looking to solve. So let's talk about tech trends and credentialing. The, there's a lot of buzz right now about the potential of blockchain and related distributed ledger technologies and smart contracts where if you execute some assessment system that would automatically register a, a badge or a, a micro credential into your into your ledger do you uh, are you you bullish on blockchain or skeptical of the hype or something I think there are, are bigger more impactful near-term tech trends that are less sexy but they're the block and tackle that are going to make the the future we've been describing real I'll talk about them in a moment my, my view of blockchain is I believe it is absolutely the case that it represents a technology platform shift that over time will be applied to credentials 
um, and that credentials is a logical thing for blockchain to be applied to. Um, that said, there are some very big kind of design questions that still need to be worked out for blockchain to be effective within credentialing, at least in the way that we hope it is, which is to help create a longitudinal identity for a learner um, and a distributed place where you could find out that Mapatinsky has been associated with these five educational organizations and they've made these six or seven awards to Matt. And then because of privacy and other reasons, you're probably gonna have on the blockchain a URL to those five individual institutions whose own systems then will be the mechanism by which you get access to those records based on whatever permissioning they put in place. Um, you know, For example, uh, how do you ensure that the same individual doesn't get things awarded to them by different places using different keys. And now we are back to the same fragmentation. Um, is academe going to consolidate around a particular implementation of blockchain, whether it's one of the public ones developed for cryptocurrency, you know, or one of these more you know, newer platforms that are being developed for multiple industries. Is it going to be public or, or more curated or private where a network of universities are the ones that host it? Um, and what's the initial big problems that blockchain is going to solve? Is it the permanence of the record, which is often how it's talked about today, that I can get a diploma from the university and if it went out of business, I'll always have the JSON right. file that could be uh, verified. Maybe permanence, maybe portability. Portability. I happen to think it's going to be more in the way you uh, first brought it up, it, enrollment and admissions cycles where, you know, if you take reverse transfer, for example, that's a really nice application of blockchain because it allows different organizations to coordinate and understand when a new record is available, what's been awarded, and then allows their own mechanisms to get that transcript data exchanged. So there's just a lot to be worked out. I think it's more hype than reality. And we're going to see the next two to three years individual institutions or groups of institutions experiment, and then we'll begin to see some common practice. So we talked about um, permanence, portability, maybe you could add security um, along with portability, and then the- Discoverability is the one that I'm trying to get to. Um, I would say the in the long run, the big advantage would be the distributed nature of learning, that if, if we continue to see the high school and particularly the post-secondary learning experience becoming more distributed, more yep. multi-provider, yep. um, and, and inclusive of both formal and informal, so yep. assessments of prior learning, yep. Uh, informal learning experiences that are credentialed in some fashion. I take a course on Coursera uh, or I learn something on the job and then I go through a skills verification and I want to be able to combine all of those things with a, an online course that I took at ASU and some courses at my local college. I, I have this, this big bag of um, knowledge and skills that I want to verify and, and maybe you could make the case that a, a distributed ledger does that more conveniently, less expensively than traditional approaches. Yeah, it's the only way I can see it emerging absent some de facto industry standard platform, some, you know, a company getting that level of, of buy-in, which, you know, 
for all of Parchment's aspirations, we don't think uh, we would achieve, nor do we think is the right way to approach it. So, and I would think of that as sort of extensibility. So if Dreambox wants to write to my son, just as equally as Scottsdale Unified School District wants to write to my son, just right. as equally as Coursera wants to write to my son, and he's too young yet to take a Coursera course, but I share that vision, and they need an open standard platform to be able to write that to. But just take, for example, those cases, You know, how would they do it today in a way that applies a consistent key, and who's going to issue that key for my son? Um, and that's part of where we think Parchment can play. For example, you know, we have this large network of high schools, one of the things, you know, we just did this for my youngest, registering for school, had to go to the school, give them the birth certificate. You know, school and school districts are pretty good at verifying identity. Right. Um, so maybe one of the ways is that Parchment could help manage keys, initiate the first one for someone because of our relationship with the school district, relying on the school district as a trusted authenticator of Matt Patinsky as Matt Patinsky, right. and then from there open up a service for that broader ecosystem right. to write to the blockchain using the same key across those different contexts for Drew, uh, my son. So again, there's a lot to be worked out, but extensibility I think is a very big idea. So uh, re related to this, we, we've really been talking about a transcript or a set of a stack of credentials um, beyond that one could argue that um, and we've written extensively about the potential for a comprehensive learner profile where you're drawing learning data from many different sources so it could come out of a learning management system like blackboard but it could also come from dreambox and when i go home it comes from Khan Academy, uh, so you could have many different sources writing keystroke data to uh, a learner profile, and and maybe only slivers of that profile are official in the in the way that a credential or a um, or a transcript are. But you'd want portability, readability. You'd want to be able to share your math. Uh, profile with a math tutor, for example. Um, does that much more extensive sort of learner record, do you, do you see that belonging on blockchain in the future? Or will just these official slivers that are um, shareable transcripts and credentials, will that other stuff sit off chain in, in some other way? Do you? Well, I. Our view is, I mean, if you think literally what's on the blockchain, what is in the distributed ledger, we think in the context of education credentials or education data, right. because of the regulatory context and for a lot of reasons, it's a pretty, it's a pretty short record. It's basically yeah. Matt Patinsky, Dreambox, awarded something, and here's the a hash right. of the thing. So if you got it independent right. of the organization that gave it to you, it can be verified as tamper evident. And then it's a URL to some system. So we don't think, for example, the academic transcript is written to the blockchain. We think what's written to the blockchain is that American University has awarded a transcript, you know, to Mapatinsky. Here's the JSON uh, hash, you know, the under the, the hash of what's underlying in the JSON right. file. Um, and here's the URL to access American University's 
service for getting that transcript. Um, but universities charge for these records. Universities vet who can request them. There's issues, the blockchain is not very good today. Um, it's permanent, right? So if you change a grade or uh, 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 revoke the diploma, those things don't work as well. So we think most things still happen in an enterprise system used by the credential or record data generator slash issuer. Um, and what's on the blockchain is simply the directory, the routing mechanism to understand all of the different places that Mapatinsky has stuff and how to get that stuff. But those places that have Mapatinsky stuff are still going to exercise a set of policies for who gets access to what. And that does open up the opportunity then for a vendor solution or, you know, to emerge where Mapatinsky says, yes, I want Parchment to be the place that has that stuff. Or I want, you know, Tomco to be the place where that gets that stuff. They can go ahead and allow it to be aggregated. So I don't think blockchain acts as the aggregation point. Um, I still think that is something that is a value-added service for the reasons I described. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, not yet, but I'm, um, <laughs> I'm going to be studying this space like a, a lot of people. It, um, it's interesting to see with the move to competency, with the move to a multi-provider landscape that this subject is, uh, is going to be hot for uh, the foreseeable future. I mean, it's a holy grail. There's two holy, more than two, two holy grails. One is, and they're interrelated, the longitudinal record, where you'd be able to align Mapatinsky across elementary and secondary and post-secondary into licensing and beyond. Right. And, you know, the closest we've ever had to that is the data model of the National Student Clearinghouse. But that's exactly the kind of big data repository that I think blockchain helps disaggregate and, and disrupt. And the other holy grail is what you described, a much more extensible learner record that is pulling from a much broader set of educational service providers, whether they're technologies or schools and universities yeah. or museums. And blockchain is critical to give in both of those, to have a common identity and to create a common directory of all of the places that have learner data for Mapatinsky. The only thing I don't believe is that the learner data itself will be written to the blockchain. Interesting, but the, your, your sense of the technology of these these comprehensive, extensible learner records, these will just be distributed databases, right? Do you, do you have a sense of... Uh, I think they will be built on distributed databases, but the learner record itself will be a value-added service that people will choose to use. So by analogy, um, you know, choosing to use one of these financial websites that yeah. aggregates all your bank accounts right. and gives you a collective and integrated view of your financial position. Similarly, um, that is going to be a value added service. Sounds like there'll be enough to keep Parchment busy. A big thanks to Matt for joining us today. For more on innovations in higher ed, be sure to check out Season 3, Episode 3, which features Paul LeBlanc, President of Southern New Hampshire University. Don't worry about writing it down. We've included it in the show notes and on the blog. 
Jess, I loved that conversation with Paul. It still resonates with me and I think uh, will be really helpful to people that listen to this episode in learning even more about this work. Definitely. And when you're done listening to that podcast, be sure to hit subscribe and then you won't miss any future episodes. And be sure to rate us and leave us a review. We love getting your feedback and it helps your friends find us too. And last but not least, for more on innovations and learning, make sure you check out our blog, gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica and Caroline signing off.